blogtalk.com. Good morning, Allie. Nice to be with you again, sir. Yeah, Dwayne, always. It's, it is good. You know, I really, I mean, people might think this is our, our, our scheme or spiel <clears throat> that we, you know, I know for me it's not where I say, uh, you know, I really enjoy waking up on a Monday morning. I just did a coaching call with my clients from uh, Canada, and uh, they had their entire team, but I, I, and we did a meeting with the team on Skype. It was really fun. Uh, and, um, but anyway, I enjoy waking up on a Monday and having our call be the first thing I do during the week. It motivates me and gets me excited to keep growing my business and, and you know, keep going. So thank you. Yeah, well, it's my pleasure, and I it's reciprocated. I mean, uh, we we feed off of each other, I believe, you know. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing, and we and I hope it's my hope that people, you know, listen. They don't have to use all the things we talk about, or quite often don't even have to do what we say entirely. Maybe they'll get one good idea, or you know, whatever. But I think just having that start of the week or, or that motivational point during their week that they could listen to something like this and it will motivate them to be better in their day or their life or it will motivate them to push barriers. Absolutely. And, you know, I know the one of the barriers or one of the things that holds some of us back from time to time is uh, our mindset and uh, our outlook on uh, money and finances, and uh, I know that yeah. we're going to talk about that. About, we were going to talk about that today, so I think yeah, it's important you know that uh, and, we have a proper mindset. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I think that you know, you and I both understand the concept, and and for some though, it's a pretty foreign concept, even with business owners. Like I'll give you an example. I was just on Facebook, which you know, everything on Facebook is just uh, true and real and opinions are all right and, and so on. But anyway, I was on Facebook and um, what, I, what I was doing, I was in a debate, I was in a debate with um, someone that had put up an article about companies like GE or these master conglomerate corporations and how they only care about profit. And, you know, we pay, and, and by the way, the person who spoke about it was an entrepreneur and um, he was venting at how, you know, tax breaks go to these big corporations and, you know, how they should be responsible to be paying some of the more taxes than the people. But yet they're so smart at manipulating the corporate codes that they end up saving more money than the average everyday person. And uh, anyway, I was debating with this person about why they feel that they don't deserve to keep their money, you know, and I'm, I'm a capitalist in, in every sense of the word, but at the same time, I'm a responsible, moral capitalist with integrity. Um, I think that most people think capitalists or business owners or entrepreneurs or corporate uh, moguls are, are these cruel, evil, you know, Dr. Evil guys on the top of the hill who are looking down, you know, going one million dollars, you know, and you know, you know, finding a way to squeeze out the poor man so that they could barely make a living, and they're picking the tomatoes in the field. Now there are some of them that right. do that, sure, but um, I think that overall capitalists and business owners are not like that. They're the exact opposite. I would, uh, I would have totally, I would totally agree. Um, it's. It's just funny the uh, the mindset of those when you start to dig, and I'm, I don't know what the response was when you asked why they believe that, but when you start to dig down and find out, um, you know, 
why they don't, or you know, why don't they 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 don't believe that that company or that person should be able to keep all their money or most of their money? Um, right. Some of it falls into jealousy. Uh, other others of it falls into these false precepts that we've heard throughout the years, such as um, you know, uh, money is. Uh, uh, the root of all evil, and which that's not even what the Bible says. The Bible says it's the love of money, which is the root of all evil. So uh, that even isn't even correct. And in some of these presuppositions that we have um, about finances, and I'm sure that there's some maybe some other deeper things too. But I'm no psychologist. But uh, it's I think it's important for us to really have a a great outlook on our finances and knowing that it's okay for us to make money and and you know so where have you always been like that Allie or where was the shift yeah you know it, I've been and by the way I would like to just also give a little bit of a mind a mind shift on that whole on even the in the biblical sense it says the love of money is it's it's not it's not it's not the it's not money is the you know is evil it's the love of money is evil and I would disagree but I understand what they're saying. So I mean, like, I love money. I love money. But I'm not, dude, I'm not Scrooge McDuck sitting in the corner, like, rolling around and throwing money up and diving into it on my bed. And, you know, I, I don't love money in that essence. I love the art of money. I love, it's similar to, like, going into a martial art tournament or going into an MMA fight. Hopefully the fighters don't love pounding someone's face into the mat. They love the the sport of learning how to do it and win and, and it's true they, they could beat the living crud out of each other and then hug each other at the end of the fight right so um it wasn't that they had a real hatred and even like a guy like conor mcgregor who just fought uh, you know uh jose aldo right and and conor up until the fight was really like you know he was just doing everything he can to get in the guy's head and really acted like he wanted to kill the man at the end of the day, once he was all done, he then, you know, he, his whole entire tone changed. He won the fight, and he's like, oh, I wish him the best, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. The game was over, right? So, to me, money is, money is a game, and I think people need to start playing that a little bit better. Now, here's the thing to answer your question. You had said, was I always like that? Yeah, it's a weird thing. I'll, I'll tell you a quick funny story. My mom went one time. I was probably about seven years old. My mom went to the local pumpkin farm, and she bought a bunch of pumpkins, and she bought all those little gourds that are funny shapes, and we had a whole trunk full of them. Uh, full of them. So um, I got them home. My mom opened the trunk, as she would always do. She said, unload them and bring them into the, into the garage. So I'm like, okay. I unloaded them. You know, hours later, my mom comes out. I have a sign on the lawn that says gourds for sale, and I sold them for like 50 cents, and I, was, I had like one left. And my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I made all this money. And I showed her, like, you know, my eight, eight bucks or whatever it was. And the great thing about my mom is she never, <laughs> never said, Allie, I can't believe you just did this, you know. She didn't break my bubble and say, Allie, you know, I spent $12 on those gourds, and you made $8 back. You sold them at an extreme discount. She basically said, good job. That was great. You made a sign and you sold them. Like, she motivated me and, and, and you know, applauded me for doing the sale part. And I was never afraid to do that. And I mean, life, I, I gathered newspapers to make money. I collected um, metal as a kid. Then my mom, poor mom, who was, uh, worked three jobs as a single mom, we used to put together, I remember having an assembly line in my kitchen where we put together lamps for a company. We get paid like 25 cents to assemble the entire lamp. 
Well, lo and behold, within like weeks, my, all my buddies were doing it with us. We had like 20 of my friends in there making lamps and we were giving them 10 cents, making 20 cents and we, were, we had an assembly line. And my mom, you know, at the end of the week, when I think about how much she actually made, maybe like $150, $200 at the end of the month, like which is peanuts. Um, but she was killing herself. So money to me was something that I always worked hard for and enjoyed working towards. That's, I have, the only thing I was going to say with that story, which is a beautiful story, by the way, was, you mean she didn't say, Allie, are you out of your gourd? You know. Yeah, no, that's a good one, right? That would have been perfect. But, yeah. but, uh, but you know what's interesting? And here's the thing now, to, just to jump to topic for, for our school owners. Um, there's a few sticking points that I had in my life where I was afraid to talk about money in my dojo. Like, I, I talk about this often. I ran a construction company. I had a very big you know, four or five different crews doing landscape design, jobs as high as fifty, seventy thousand dollars a job. You know, I was making a huge amount of money as a landscape construction guy um, and designer. We we put in, you know, decks and Japanese gardens and sprinkler systems and so on. Um, anyway, I, I I then opened up a martial arts school. I, so and my martial arts school in my head, I would actually say this and I would say it outwardly too. I'd say, oh, I'm not going to run my martial arts school like, like a business because, uh, you know, it's, martial arts is not a business, you know. And then, and then I realized later on that I was struggling and the concepts I used, I, you know, if I, what I knew to be right, systems that I used in my business, marketing tools that I used in my business, sales procedures that I used in my landscape construction business, I was embarrassed to do them because at that time, and we're talking 20, almost 25 years ago, I thought I was a sellout if I was a good businessman. I thought that I was selling out my art um, because I followed my teachers of the years that were not very good businessmen. And I thought maybe, you know, if you want to be a real martial artist, you can make money, but it's almost like the, it's almost like the hidden secret, you know, that, that secret that we don't want anyone to know, which is not true. I mean, it's crazy for us to understand that, you know, we are, we are deserving of what we ask for in our martial arts. Most definitely, and if you look at uh, the basketball, football, baseball players, hockey players, whoever, I mean, they make so much money, and they aren't, and they're doing a sport. I mean, right. they're not embarrassed that they're making that much money, and they're doing a support a sport. And yeah, are they maybe an influence on some people? Yeah, maybe, but not to the degree that we are. Right. Um, so we should never be embarrassed you know, that we make a, a decent or a good living or what have you um, with our martial arts school. In fact, uh, we should be the ones that, you know, we're the heroes. We're the ones that our students and, and parents look up to and ask questions. And why shouldn't right. we be the ones that they, they come to with even financial advice and, and say, you know, um, I, I, I'm thinking about this and maybe you don't do uh, that particular area of finance but i mean they they i mean that's what that's what um i don't know uh, true entrepreneurs and business owners that uh understand this i mean that's what they're talking about they're not i, I remember right. this uh this phrase this phrase years ago and it has stuck with me for i don't know 20 years or what have you but uh I heard heard Tom Callos say this one time, and he said, small minds talk about people, medium minds talk about things, and great minds talk about ideas. And that really resonated with me. And I believe that a, a very, very great-minded school owner will be talking about ideas, and those ideas do make money. 
I mean, that, there's yeah. no way around it. It's, it's, it, and, uh, and that's where we should be as school owners. Now, I guess the jump is, you know, what books should people read? Where, what seminars should they go to? What psychologists should they go to? I mean, because yeah. I really think that, that, that whole money trap, um, that money trap starts when we were a kid. Like, you know, your mom encouraged that. With you, I don't know that my dad would have done the same thing. My dad probably would have said, "What are you stupid?" You know, yeah. and and that, but but his his mindset of money and and, and teaching uh, concept maybe was different. And so, uh, what do, what do you suggest that? Well, well the um, first, you know, we do book. as school owners to straighten our, our mind out. Yeah, I definitely suggest reading. Um, and for me, uh, it's a shame because there are less and less people that enjoy reading. Um, I, I absolutely still love to read. I mean, like I, say, I know I sound like kind of like a little bit of a nerd, and I'm so far from being a nerd, but I do have nerd characteristics, <laughs> you know. So, but uh, I enjoy like a Sunday just sitting on my couch and reading books, four or five books at a time. Or I wake up in the morning, I read before I go to bed, I read. Even if it's like three or four pages and then I fall asleep, I'm still reading. I'm keeping my mind engaged, and I'm using and filling my mind with information that's pertinent to my life right now at this moment in time. If, in fact, if you go to my personal website, alialbarigo.com, there's a bookshelf that I have in there, um, and it hasn't been updated in years, but it's there uh, of all the books I read from like 1991 to like 1996 maybe, um, and I was reading 30 to 40 books a year, and if you look at them in trends, you'll see like what I was really interested in at that particular time. They go from you know pure business to to spirituality to you know to tactical you know uh, tactical uh, you know mindset of uh, the the warrior. Um, but pretty much a, a staple is always you know motivational. Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Bob Alexander, um, you know uh, you know Deepak Chopra. Uh, you know, people like that, that I would read their books, and that's what the information I would fill, I would feed my mind, my wolf. You know, <clears throat> they say there are two wolves, and one on one shoulder, one on the other, and one is a good wolf, one's a bad wolf. It all, the, whichever wolf becomes the strongest is the one that you feed the most. Right, and um, I would feed the positive wolf, you know, I'd always feed that as spiritual, being more compassionate, Dalai Lama, you know, all, all these things that I would read, religion, the seven spiritual laws of success, you know, the spontaneous fulfillment of desire, all those things. But anyway, I have a book that I recommend to everybody, if you haven't read it, it's a number one bestseller, and I have a funny story to tell you about that real quickly, is it's called, the book is called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I had paid all my leadership team. I didn't pay them. I offered them money about two weeks ago. And I said, if you, the leadership team of my kids that are instructors in training that help, help my, my school. And I said, anybody who reads the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I will pay you $20. There's like 20 kids in the class. It could cost me about 400 bucks. But I know we're lucky if we get one or two that will read it. Now, the other day on Saturday, we did a demo at the Borders bookstore and we did three demos for their book festival and they had us with our maths and our demo team so while i was there i went to the bookshelf and i pulled the four books out and i handed them to the kids and i said here you go you could buy them while you're here if you get them today they're you know they're only eight bucks or whatever so a few of the kids ran to their parents and one of the parents said to me like what is this book all about and i said um it's about the art of money like learning how to make money work for you how to change your mindset on money and the mom's eyes like couldn't have rolled further back into her head Almost as like I was giving her book, a kid a book that says, here's how you can connive and steal and ruin someone's life. 
That would have been, that's the eye roll that I got. So I'm like, just mm. read the back cover and read the book. So right away I know that there are certain parents out there that look at that because of their upbringing, the stigma. Anyway, that book, the you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, talks about he, this guy who grew up in life. His best friend's dad was a rich entrepreneur, real estate mogul. His, his real dad was a very corporate uh, school teacher who went with the philosophy, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to a good college, get better grades, go get a good job working for a corporation, and hopefully they'll treat you right and you'll get a good retirement. And one day when you're old enough, you could just live out your retirement and just relax off of your, you know, your retirement savings. So it's an interesting dynamic. It's a phenomenal book. And then the other book is, is The Unfair Advantage by the same author, Rob Kiyosaki. Um, and he's got 35 books in between those two that I would highly recommend as far as the art of money. Yeah, and I was going to throw out one. I think I've done this on another call, but um, T. Harv Eker has a book, and I believe it's called The Money Blueprint. And um, the reason I throw that out there is because if you have misconceptions or if you have the wrong perception of money, uh, this will help you maybe understand why you have it and how you can actually break free from having those wrong perceptions. Um, right. Because you you can have all the information in the world, but if, if you are still uh, stuck on that anchor that's weighing you down and you don't break free, free of it, um, all the information on how to make money isn't going to help you without being broken free. So that's why I recommend that book. Yeah, and and um, here's one thing that happened, which is interesting. I you know I have a few clients that you know I, I'm kind of like the coach of of people who are either brand new fledgling schools or schools that are stuck at a certain level and they can't break free, or um, or schools that have been at the top that for some reason have crashed and burned, and we have to go back in and fix what happened. So quite often I get people, and I'm sure you do too, Dwayne, when you're coaching, um, is that people will, you know, they'll get to a point where they're thinking of scarcity and they're starting to lose clients or they're, or they're struggling financially. And, um, and, and then right away they start to do what's normal. They hoard their food. They, they save their money. They pull back on everything that is frivolous or in their eyes frivolous and they start to conserve. They live from a, li from a life of scarcity, not a life of abundance, right? So, so I, I always tell the story, and we've done this on one of the calls, about this guy who had a hot dog stand, and he, um, he was a very, I know, a hot dog stand, you know, right? Could he be making that much money? Well, the guy was making like a million dollars a year selling hot dogs, and he was a very astute businessman. He, he would go and, um, you know, he would invest in stocks and, you know, IRAs and bought real estate, and he read in one of the trade magazines, probably the Wall Street Journal, that there was going to be a big bubble crash. And um, he went to his account and he said, hey, listen, what do you know about this? And the guy says, yeah, it's pretty inevitable that there's going to be a big decline in stocks. He says, so I suggest you highly start to cut back on things and, and you know, kind of hanker down and, and dig in. And um, so he went through all his stuff and his expenses and he started to cut back and he cut back on his marketing because he was spending a ton of money on marketing, he cut back on you know, any type of uh, other, you know, things that were like, you know, the really high-end foods, and he kind of cut back and went with a little bit of the lesser um, quality. And anyway, lo and behold, he was right. He saw a decline in business, and he kind of played it perfectly. So anyway, a, a year or two went by, and then he read that the economy's changing, and he right away started buying the higher-end quality of food, and he ended up, you know, out marketing again, and bam, all of a sudden his business started to boom. 
So he, he played it perfectly right. However, when he looked back years later, he realized that he didn't play it right at all. He just cut back on all the things that were most important, marketing, the quality and service, you know, the right employees, paying the right people, et cetera, et cetera. He inevitably um, did the wrong thing, and he basically created his own destiny, right? So, so that's what I find a lot yeah. of times that we do. I have clients all the time that go, Ali, I'm, I'm struggling. What do I do? Well, you got to advertise. Well, I don't have the time for it. I have one of my good clients, good friend of mine, you and I both know, and he's going to listen to this call. I yell at him all the time. He's like, oh, business is slow. I'm losing my shirt, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, have you marketed? No, I'm too busy. I haven't had the time. I haven't had the money. I haven't had this. I go, You're, the other day I went off on him. Nothing but excuses. You're giving me nothing but excuses, but you're not doing anything to grow your business. Do you think like somehow some magic wand, a genie is going to come in and all of a sudden bring people to your door? The most important thing you have to do now is market and get people aware of your school, get people in the door so that you could show them your magic. Right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a trap. It, that's the sad part it's, is that mindset is a trap. I remember when uh, this was back in – uh, 2001, 2002, I, um, when we first started, we, I, we had partners and there was four of us. Well, I ended up buying my partners out, the other, you know, the other three. And mm-hmm. that, same, that same time, the same timeline that I was going through my strife with them and buying them out, I got married. Well, um, mm-hmm. no, first, excuse me, first I bought a house, then I got married and my wife already had two kids, so I immediately had two kids. Um, right. And then we had our own child together that same year. And so all these, I mean, the, my plates were spinning, right? And uh, it was just horrific in my mind. And right. But every time somebody would ask me, hey, how's business doing? And I would just say, yeah, man, it's great. Business is booming. Right. You know, because I didn't want to, um, at least I didn't want on the outward everybody to see me as somebody that had a pity party all the time, although I definitely could have. Uh, it wouldn't right. have helped, but you know, I felt like having a pity party. <laughs> yeah, and but in your head, I knew it wasn't going to be beneficial for me. Right, and, and in your head and heart, maybe you quietly were feeling that pity party in a way because that's okay. You, you know, you had a lot on. You were spinning so many plates. There were, you know, there's a lot going on in your life at that time. However, you didn't allow yourself to succumb to the mindset, and that's a natural mindset where the mind and and you know will tell you man, Dwayne, you did it wrong. You know, like I, I quite often my ex-wife was the head of human resources for a big Fortune 5 company. We're, we are, when I say ex-wife, it's, we're the best of friends. We still have dinner together here and there and, you know, with our daughter. Anyway, long story short, whenever I have an issue, she always comes back to the corporate mindset. And it's a fun thing because it reminds me of what not to do because this is the way she thinks that I don't. I say, oh, I'm having a problem with so-and-so employees. She's like, okay, well, then get rid of it, and you've got to get right back in there, Allie. You're the one. You're the only one. You go in there. You work 50 hours a week, and you do it all. And I'm like, okay, thanks so much. I'll give her a hug and send her on her way, and then I go and do the opposite. I find a better employee. I hire a new person, and I put them in the job because there's no way in hell I'm going to always be dragged back in. Just when they thought you were out, they dragged you back in kind of mindset. Right? right. So, so. The other thing is, it's interesting at how you and I, or maybe, you know, a guy like, uh, and I'll use Donald Trump, who's running for president right now as an example, when he says things like, um, you know, I'm filthy rich, you know, and people get turned off by that. They think he's bragging, but we all know he's filthy rich, so he's not saying anything that's not true, 
But he says, the reason why I keep bringing this up is one, I'm not going to charge to be, you know, when I'm president, I'm going to donate that money to the vets. That's what he did promise. And he said, the second thing is, he goes, I want you to know that I know how to make money. I know how to build a wall or I know how to build a building or I know how to cut expenses. I know how to put executives. You know, he's got 10, over 10,000 employees. He knows how to find the right people, the real right people, not not like the right people supposedly, but I mean like the real actual right people to do a job and get it right. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because he's had years of practice and experience. So quite often, um, you know, we as school owners don't know. And sometimes a school owner would say times are tough and I'll rattle off 11 things or 12 or 15 things that they could do to just change that right then and there. Like I'm broke, I can't afford to pay my rent. Okay, let's get one pay in full or two pay-in-fulls, or let's go out and do blah, blah, blah. I, I, I often say, why don't we just print some money? You know, go print your own money. And they're like, oh, that's illegal, Allie. I can't believe you're telling me that. I go, no, no, I don't mean actually print it and, you know, make it on a, on a machine and counterfeit it. I mean, let's think of an idea that could bring money to the table, that could help you through your situation rather than whining and complaining that you're in the situation. Right. Make sense? Right. Well, yes. And then there's, there's so many, there's just so many activities and so many events that we can hold as school owners that can bring in extra revenue. I mean, I'm just going right. to give a, for instance, this month we're doing uh, our board breaking seminar, you know, right. and I, I want to say right now, maybe I have 45 people signed up uh, for the board breaking seminar, 20, 20 right. bucks a pop after awesome. I pay the, buy the boards and pay for things and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to make 250, 300 bucks, whatever it is. I don't. I, I mean, I'll know that by the end. But right. Um, it, it, that's still better than nothing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, something that I wouldn't have had. I mean, we're, we're we're selling our. Well, we already did it. It closed last Wednesday, but we were selling our hoodies for Christmas. Um, and each each one of those uh, hoodies were making, I think, 20 bucks a hoodie. You know, as right. profit. So right. it, it it can it can be done and people will buy it and and so what right. maybe it's not a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars in a weekend but you, right. you you keep on doing that you're going to build up that momentum you're also going to build up your confidence right uh, in being able to do those things and I think that's also you know another reason why some of us are where we're at is is the lack of confidence that we have in ourselves right right. And, and you know what, too, it's also allowing yourself and training your mindset, going back to our first start of the conversation, to be okay with making money because that stigma, um, you know, people look at salespeople as evil. People look at the, you know, like, when, again, it goes back to I, the way I think is when I'm hearing Donald Trump going, uh, you know, I'm really rich, I'm going like, yeah, I know that he could take bad situations and turn them into profit centers so far national gross, uh, you know, average of, uh, you know, imports is down. He could find a way to bring that up or he's going to renegotiate contracts just because his education is not that of a politician who sits in an office and says, you know, let's pass a law, let's do this. Quite frankly, there are some people on the Republican Party that, that have no business experience whatsoever, that they're actually broke, you know. Um, and, and to me, do I want that person running our country? Of course not. And we've had that happen over the course, whether it be Republican, Democrat, I'm not being political here, by the way. I'm trying to just use this as an example. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at it saying, like, 
I want to go to the person who's no best. Like if I want a real estate question answered, I'll go to Donald Trump or a guy like, you know, um, you know, you know uh, half the business, you know, real estate moguls like a Rob Kiyosaki and uh, ask their advice. And I bet you that one question that I have, they could come up with 30 different ways for me to spin that to make money that I would go, wow, I didn't even think of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's a level. There's a level that they are at, and you know, we we can't be um, naive to the fact that there are there are different levels in our life. Uh, but the majority right. of it is going to come from education right. via uh, co- coaches, books, seminars, and also um, being freed from our anchors of the past that, you know, we have that, those presuppositions that are sticking with us for no reason at all. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so. sometimes those anchors are belief systems that were brought upon us by, by other people that really didn't have any re- relevance, right? You know, it's like a guy who uh, had no education um, in, in business might say to you, Oh, don't fall for that business trick, you know, or, or yeah, yeah, don't waste your money there, you know, get, like, it's a shame, I, 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 my daughter is my life, and I want her to take on my legacy, and I don't necessarily want her to have a martial arts school and teach martial arts, but I would love for her to run and own and be part of my martial art business, or my coaching business, or my website business, or my retail store, um, or any of those other things that I do, um, however, she wants to do fashion, so she's going to follow her dream, but um, I would love to be able to educate her. And I think one day, eventually, you know, she'll come back and say, hey, Dad, how does this work? You know, she's, you know I coach people, and she knows that. So hopefully she'll say, hey, Dad, come on, give me some ideas. I want to make a, a fashion shirt line or T-shirt line. Let's build a website. Let's sell the product. Um, but uh, anyway, we want, we want to go to those mentors, and we want to take advantage of those people. And I mean take advantage in a good way where they'll allow us to, but take advantage of their knowledge. So, again... Um, I, I know we're going to run out of time, and I think that it's important for people to understand that they have to free themselves of these anchors, of this negative stigmatism about money. Um, it's like when I go to Europe, and, and, and I'm in England or, or Scotland teaching about business, and uh, they have a different mindset. You know, like, Ali, the way we do it here is, you know, we like to date for a long time before we actually go out, you know, like, and really fall in love, you know, and I'm like, okay, I have no problem dating you guys and selling you my concepts, but why do you have that feeling? Why is it that you got to wait so darn long before you ever make up your mind and and choose to jump on something? You know, it's just the way they've been brought up, so we have to, we kind of got to rid them of that. Well, I remember the first time I ever started doing paid in fulls, and uh, uh, that was just such a foreign concept to me, and you know, when I first decided to actually do it, you know, it took me probably like six months to actually follow through with it. And then when I actually did it, it was amazing. I mean, that that month was the first time that I, I had ever done those numbers, meaning I did $46,000 in that month, uh, and or 47, I think, 46 or 47, I don't remember exactly, but it was one of the two. And... um it, it was it was just it was a foreign concept. I was scared uh, to do it. I didn't have the confidence to sit in front of somebody and say, uh, you know, yeah, the, the payment's going to be this. You know, it's going to be uh, seven thousand dollars to go to Black Belt. You know, how would you like to do that? <laughs> so, but now, I mean, it's it's totally different. I don't have that fear. You know, I broke that mold or that stigma. Or I let go of that anchor. Um, and you're right. It, when you need it, it helps you to print money. 
Um, I mean, after I learned how to do that, I got out of debt. I mean, that was, that's where I, you know, I had, uh, I had debt when I had bought my partners out and uh, I carried that debt for years. Um, yeah. Which that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. Why, why I shouldn't even have been in debt. But anyways, um, that's what I did is I went to people and I did paid in fulls and I printed my own money to get out of debt. Right. And then what was it? Give us some advice on one or two things that it took the shift in your mindset to be able to make that happen. What was it that, what was, what were the two big blockers that you had that you had to get over in order to be able to achieve that mindset? Well, one is I didn't, obviously, I didn't believe in my program enough. I didn't believe, I mean, I knew that I was going to be there and, and, and things, classes were going to get taught and what have you, but to have somebody put that much money money down uh, in the beginning uh, was kind of fearful for me to think that my program could be actually worth that amount. And then the the other way that I got over that part was going, well, wait a second, they're getting a dramatic discount to pay, so they're not even paying the full price where somebody else that's going to be going for four years or the or if they're going to sign all the way to second degree, go to six years or whatever, you know, um, they're going to end up paying more than what this person is paying me. So why am I even caught up in that? Um, you know, the other thing was asking for that large amount, you know, will, 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 will people be able to actually afford it and I came to the conclusion that you know some people will some people won't it's a numbers game um you know on whether they're going to be able to do it or not but the answer is always no and you you hear this all the time the answer is always no unless you ask well it's true well you know the answer is no until you ask yeah and you know what's interesting every single thing that you said with exception of the first thing which was asking for it um, was really more about your perception of what they would think versus your perception of what you... So in other words, I think most martial artists believe that they're worth it. I believe that if you talk to them and say to them all the reasons why we believe that they're worth it, they would agree, right? However, um, what, they, what, they, what they question is whether they feel or believe that other people would believe that they're worth it. In other words, do we believe our value? Yes, but do we believe other people see the value? Sometimes no. So we're afraid to ask because we're afraid of the response of them saying, well, I don't think it's worth it, when in reality we know it is. So we just got to learn to overcome that one fear and not really worry too much about what others are thinking or what we assume that they're thinking, right? It's like Well, it's yeah, like, that's the thing, yeah. Here's the funny thing. It's uh, Whenever you look at those out-of-shape ugly, kind of um, frumpy, nerdy guys, right? And they have these supermodel, gir supermodel girlfriends. Um, you know, they have to have outsold themselves and had confidence, right? So, well, of course they could be loaded, you know, that people might think that. But then you go like, how does that person – I've seen people that are not the best looking in the world that just exude confidence, right? That they're, they're so – and then people are attracted to them based off of their, their ability, their confidence, who they believe that they are. Um, you know, and then I've seen really great, gorgeous-looking women and men that have no confidence in themselves. They don't even believe, and you're going like, you really don't believe that you're that good-looking, you know, with your eight-pack abs or your beautiful, you know, smile or whatever. So it's really all about our perception of what others may think what we we're asking for. So we don't ask. Yeah. We're afraid, you know, to sell, to 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 bring, to you know, to do an event like that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That makes sense. 
No, it totally does. And I think it's important for, like I said, our school owners, all of us, to understand that money's not a bad thing. Um, right. You know, even liking or loving it <laughs> in the sense right. that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a game and you want to make more. And look, here's the deal is the more money that I make, uh, the more people I can help. And you've said that before too. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and I think that's important that we're able to help more people. If, if we gave everything away for free, we charged a minimal amount, we, would not have that many students. We would because we we um, I mean we we couldn't uh, pay people to help us to help them. And you're not only going to get a certain amount of volunteers uh, to be able to do that. I mean you have to in order to run your school you need money to do it. And there's no reason why you shouldn't as a school owner be making a decent or great living um, doing what you love to do and helping people along the way. It, again, it goes back to what Zig Ziglar. Uh, has always said is, is you know, uh, you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And right. I think that as martial arts school owners, that, that really sums us up. Right. Right, exactly. It really does, and, and pretty much in a nutshell. And by the way, to close up the, the conversation, um, you and I are, you know, we have a program that we're about to launch phenomenal but uh, the reason why I bring it up is is that we do we kind of go back and, and scrub away a, a, a lot of these things and then we um, you know we will help them overcome these anchors and at least from a confidence point of view understand you know what is uh, what it is that they need to think like you know the the next level um, school owner mindset kind of mentality of where they should be and how they should think and we're going to help them shave years of figuring this out, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears on their own. Um, so that's what makes it exciting to me is to help school owners kind of become different thinkers, act differently, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and, you know, perform differently. I saw a thing on, on Facebook uh, yesterday, and there was a picture of a guy dressed up. Uh, this must have been like 1930s, 1940 type picture, and and uh, his kid is next to him. His kid's maybe six, seven years old. And the, the kid is dressed up and got the tie on and everything. And, and uh, he just put, put it up on his wall and said, you know, I, this just looked interesting to me. And, and some people were commenting. And I, I said something with regards to the fact that, you know, that was back when people had respect for themselves. And they dressed up uh, even right. on a daily basis. They, they were dressed up. And I said, we've lost that. Um, you know, I tell my instructors, if you see me in a in a suit and tie, that um, I'm probably having a bad day. And right. And I dress up because, you know, I mean, I always dress appropriately, but if I overdress, meaning I'm really dressed up because I'm probably having a bad day, and uh, it's because I want, I want to feel good about myself. So even those small things uh, for us as school owners matter. I mean, we could go in our, in our pajamas uh, during the day, but, but why not? dress up and, you know, um, dress for the success that we want our schools uh, and our lives to be. Right, right, exactly, yeah. So so anyway, I mean, again, in closing, read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad or any of the Rob Kiyosaki books or, um, you know, the Eckerd books and so on and, and, and start to shift your mindset. Go to bed thinking one way, wake up reading the book thinking another way. And uh, and don't think from the from the law of uh, you know um, scarcity. 
Think from the law of abundance. Ask yourself the question and say, you know, I'm in a bad situation. What could I do right this moment to improve my situation? What could I do to make more money? What could I do to bring in more students? What could I do to take action right now to change my situation rather than just hoping and wishing for the best? That's the most important thing. Absolutely. Allie, thanks again. Uh, school yeah. owners, do me a favor. Do Allie a favor. Share this with um, – you know, the other school owners that you know, you can subscribe to our podcast um, on, uh, uh, you know, either searching for School Owner Talk on iTunes or you can always go to uh, schoolownertalk.com and subscribe there. And then there are Android links there that uh, will allow you to subscribe as well. Allie, thanks again. And uh, everyone, we will talk to you on our next call. Awesome, guys. Take care.